Welcome to the Commercial Matters Podcast. Your show host is Amit Kapoor, owner of Mindful Contract Solutions. Nothing in this podcast is intended to be legal advice. Hi folks, this is Amit Kapoor. I'm a commercial consultant to complex transformation programs. Welcome again to another episode of the Commercial Matters Podcast. I'm very excited to be kicking off a new series following on from the one we did on IT disputes. This series is going to focus on managing supply relationships in major programs. So what we'll be effectively looking at is understanding various events and incidents that happen in a typical implementation program that have the potential of adversely affecting supply relationship. And we look at what else could be done to preserve the relationship in those instances. And in this episode, we focus on why is it important to preserve a relationship with a supplier? Why should you have a healthy relationship? So we explore the benefits that that affords to buyers. And we will end this episode also providing you with some realistic tips that you can employ in your programs. Before we look at the benefits of a good relationship with your suppliers in detail, I think it's important for you to get a good sense of how is it that suppliers run their business, what is their business model, and how that affects the kind of relationship you should have with them. And for the purposes of this session, the kind of suppliers we focus on are systems integrators, so resource-heavy organizations, And many of the SIs are actually very significant corporations in themselves. I mean, I recently read a news from, I think, last week that Tata Consultancy Services, TCS, has touched about half a million workforce across all their locations across the world. So if you think about that, that's a huge organization in itself that we're talking about. And other well-known organizations like Accenture, Fujitsu, Infosys Technologies, are similarly very, very large corporations in themselves. If you look at any of these organizations, they tend to be organized in practices where each practice focuses on a particular technology. So if you happen to be, for example, running an Oracle Cloud ERP program, then you might be dealing with the Oracle practice of one of these systems integrators. And these practices will have, let's assume, something between 100 and 500 people specifically dedicated on that technology spread across the world. So if we assume that the practice is about 500 members strong, typically there would be something like 200 or 300 people locally and a lot more people offshore in kind of centers like India. And at any point of time, you would probably have something around 80% of those people deployed onto engagements with clients And you can reasonably expect that for a practice of this size, there will be about 10 or 12 active clients for whom business is being carried out at that particular point in time. I mean, it could be a lot more, but we'll try and keep things simple for now. So when these organizations win a new program, then effectively it can't be often fully serviced out of their existing workforce because... A lot of people are already deployed onto other clients and other programs with end dates that might be you know, well in the future. So these organizations will obviously have some level of bench strength, which means these are people who 
are not currently engaged on programs as a result of either being new recruits or have just been rolled off another program because things came to an end or the program went from a very intensive piece of activity to a kind of a business as usual kind of phase where you don't need as many people from the supplier organization. So the biggest headache for systems integrators is often not skill acquisition because they have kind of good systems and recruitment processes in place to hire talent. What they really struggle with is managing the utilization of those people, especially when programs come to an end and a lot of people suddenly become available. So what buyers typically don't realize, and it's partly because suppliers don't present information this way, but buyers are effectively competing with other buyers of the SI for the A-team, you know, the best resources in that particular practice. It's not something that's made very obvious for understandable reasons, but typically the people you're presented in your procurement bids, for example, might be people who are actively involved in other client bids and may not be fully available to you when you run your program because you know they are billing there and those clients won't let those people go away that easily. It's almost always easy for a systems integrator to redeploy everyone who's available onto your program when it begins. It's almost always difficult for the systems integrator to pull out some resource who might be best fit for your program from another client's account because they don't want to damage that relationship but also because it costs the supplier a lot to be able to transition some resource who's embedded in a program out of that role because it, it almost has to fund for another resource to acquire that knowledge and then bring out this resource to be redeployed on your account. So it's not convenient, it's a hassle. But from your perspective as a buyer, it's also discretionary. So a supplier doesn't really have to do that. And that's where good relationship can help. If someone is really outstanding and you want to have a say on having them deployed to your account, you're more likely to be heard if you have a good relationship with the supplier. And the reason for that is not just behavioral. I mean, obviously, if you're nice to your supplier, then you expect them to be nice to you as a matter of reciprocity. But the reasons go a bit deeper than that. I mean, you all know the statistics say that major transformation programs, typically only 20% of those really deliver the business outcomes that the client had hoped for at the outset. And usually it's these SIs who are helping the clients deliver those outcomes directly or indirectly. So it's not that common for a supplier to be working with a customer who has only paid as much as they initially set out in their procurement to the supplier and has got their project delivered on the time that they were promised by the supplier at the outset and to the right level of quality without a number of exclusions on scope. So usually if you look at a program from the prism of the scope, quality and cost kind of triangle. Usually a program wouldn't have met all of those factors. And that in turn means that usually there are a lot more aggrieved clients than satisfied clients. And I'm not saying that the systems integrator 
had a role in dissatisfaction. I'm just saying that happens as a matter of fact because programs don't really complete in the times that they were set out to, to the cost that they were and to the quality that was initially promised or expected. So if you're a client who is having a good relationship with the supplier, you are kind of a rare entity, which also means that you are referenceable in that if the supply was bidding for other programs similar to yours, they are more likely to present you as a reference customer. And what that means is they have an incentive to keep you happy. So they are going to try their best to make things work for you, even if that involves some level of inconvenience. And the final point I would make in favor of having a healthy relationship with your supplier is the fact that programs demand that you as the buyer and your suppliers work collaboratively. And if you are not in a healthy relationship where you are picking upon every small error that the supplier does without really giving them a safe passage out of it, you will eventually foster behaviors that are not very conducive to the program. For example, the supplier may become a lot less transparent with you about errors. I mean, as a result, you will not know things going wrong before they really turn so wrong that you can't recover them and the damage is irreversible. Things only spiral down from that point in time in terms of how programs become a failure. So to avoid that, nip that in the bud, having a good relationship with a supplier is paramount. If a supplier can see that you place the health of a relationship as an important factor, then they are more likely to trust you with giving you bad news early. So I think we have talked enough about the importance of a healthy relationship with your supplier. And we are now going to be looking at some practical tips that you can employ in your programs to make this happen. Tip number one would be to not have a single one-dimensional kind of behavior with your supplier. I mean, I've seen some organizations have a standard way of dealing with their suppliers and it tends to be often very aggressive with every matter to do with that supplier being dealt aggressively or on its merits as per the contract without any level of subjective consideration. And that can be very counterproductive because if a supplier can anticipate that you will be behaving adversely to information that the supplier will present to you, then what that means is the supplier has to adjust either the content or the timing of that information to you. And usually this will be driven by your reaction to it rather than whether the program would benefit from that information being presented to you at a particular time in a particular manner. So it's very important to treat every issue that happens in your program on its own merits and always appreciate the fact that if things are being told to you, that itself is a, is a good sign. It's a sign of a good supplier who's bringing things in the open to you because many suppliers don't. And always try to at least initially work out jointly if there is a way out of the problem. Getting to a blame game at a very early stage of a problem being presented to you is not helpful for an ongoing relationship with your supplier. So that was tip number one. Tip number two is that your supplier 
despite all the performance problems you have experienced with them, will remain in the best position to complete an activity that they have started. It is almost always unwise to think of replacing a supplier midway through the program because you weren't very content with the performance. And that's because the knowledge transition requirement of programs that are complex is so high that you would be paying for two teams at a particular point in time and you can't really expect the second team to be far better in the delivery of a service because they would be a lot reliant on picking up where team one has left things at. I also think that when you blame the supplier as a whole for performance issues, you are to some extent being a bit lazy because quite often not everybody in that supplier's organization is to blame for performance issues. Sometimes it's about trying to identify the root cause of the failure and it can be quite easily pinned down to either behaviors in their program management function or in their technical teams or in a particular functional area. And if you single out a problem in that way, you can possibly deal with the performance issue by, for example, seeking a replacement of a resource rather than a wholesale change of supplier because that may just be an over-engineered solution to a pretty simple problem. So that was tip number two. And tip number three is whenever your suppliers ask you for a reference check for another customer, that is actually a good sign and not something that you should look to avoid. Some of the things I've seen program directors do is often say that we're not at a stage where we can provide a reference. Of course, they knew that before they approached you, but there are still things that the supplier is doing for you on a day-to-day -day basis that you can speak to with prospective customers of the supplier. So you should take that opportunity on. Because once you become the reference customer of a supplier, it's almost like a show home that a builder likes to keep tip and top. So the supplier will go that extra mile to keep you as a reference customer for as long as they can. In fact, I think it's a very smart thing to actually insist on becoming a reference customer for the supplier for any prospective bids up to the point of go live, for example, because that means that your supplier has a natural incentive to remain reference worthy throughout the life of your program. Right. So that brings us to the end of this episode. So we talked about the benefits of having a healthy relationship with your suppliers and we also looked at some practical tips that you can employ in your programs. Now I wanted to talk a little bit about the series and how it progresses from here on. In the next episode, we talk about a common scenario that happens in a program and to my recollection, almost every program that I have worked on has experienced this, is a level of delay in the program and how should you deal with that with your suppliers? In the episode after that, we talk about how you handle any kind of security or personal breaches in your program. In episode four of this series, we talk about how do you deal with instances where a supplier might be overcharging you for a particular piece of work. In each of these episodes, we first try and understand what could be possibly innocent explanations of something going wrong. And then we look at what are the actions available to you, usually as per your contract with your supplier. And 
I would also recommend an action that you can consider as your upfront action for each of these instances. If you're grappling with a particular situation with your supplier that isn't quite captured in the three scenarios we're going to be talking about, I would encourage you to drop us an email on info at mindfulcontract.co.uk. I will try and accommodate that as, as an episode in itself. I think that's all I had for you this week. Thanks for tuning in. And if you like to be alerted to when we next release our episode, please do hit the subscribe button. Until next week, just want to say goodbye. That's this week's episode of the Commercial Matters Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.